This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, we begin tonight with one of the premier drama programs of the golden age of radio, subtitled Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills, and focused on suspense thriller-type scripts, usually featuring leading Hollywood actors of the era. Suspense went through several major phases, characterized by different hosts, sponsors, and director-producers. Formula plot devices were used for all but a handful of episodes. The protagonist was usually a normal person, suddenly dropped into a threatening or bizarre situation. Solutions were withheld until the last possible second, and evildoers were usually punished in the end. In its early years, the program made only occasional forays into science fiction or fantasy. The program's heyday was in the early 1950s, when radio actor, producer, and director Elliot Lewis took over. Here the material reached new levels of sophistication. The writing, it was taught, and the casting, which had always been a strong point of the series, featuring such film stars as Orson Welles, Joseph Cotton, and Henry Fonda, took an unexpected turn when Lewis expanded the repertory to include many of radio's famous drama and comedy stars, often playing against type. The highest production values enhanced suspense. At the time Lewis took over, suspense was familiar to radio fans for playing Frank Remley, the wastrel guitar-playing sidekick to Phil Harris in the Phil Harris Alice Faye show. On the May 10th, 1951 suspense show, Lewis reversed the roles with Death on My Hands. A band leader, Harris, is horrified when an autograph-seeking fan accidentally shoots herself and dies in his hotel room. And a vocalist, his wife Faye, tries to help him as the town folk call for vigilante justice against him. Now, it's kind of ironic that Phil Harris and Alice Faye are the stars of our second show this evening. So we ask you to stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, here's Suspense and the episode entitled Black Path of Fear. Now, Roma Wines presents Tonight, Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, Right now, a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Suspense. This is the man in black. 
here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as star Mr. Brian Donlevy. And so with the performance of Mr. Donlevy as Bill Scott in the Cornell Woolrich bestseller, The Black Path of Fear, we again hope to keep you in suspense. our first day in Havana. We'd taken a hack, an open, horse-drawn carriage, and spent the afternoon driving around to see the sights. She was always crazy about jade. So, in Chinatown, we stopped in a little curiosity shop the driver steered us to. We bought a few gadgets there and started back towards the main part of the town. It was getting dark, and she snuggled up close to me and the carriage. It's been a wonderful day, Scotty. Yeah. I was scared at first. A couple of times I thought I saw him in the crowds there, Chinatown. <laughs> I guess it was just my imagination. Sure it was. He wouldn't try any rough stuff this far from his home base. He may be a little Caesar around the nightclubs back in Florida, but here in Cuba he's just another alien who'd better not get caught packing a rod. He said he'd get me if I ever left him, no matter where I went. Oh, he sent us a radiogram wishing us luck. Yes, that's what worries me. He didn't say which kind of luck. I thought so, Hey, what's this, driver? A sloppy Joe, senor. Big attraction of Havana. <laughs> of course. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> Want to go in, darling? Why not? You can only die once. So I paid the coachman and we went into Sloppy Joe's. The place was jammed to the sidewalk line and so noisy you couldn't hear yourself think. It was like a football scrimmage when you moved and like sardines in a can when you stood still. And... Suddenly, the crowd divided in front of us like the Red Sea, and a little photographer came through, using an old-fashioned tripod for a battering ram. He set up his camera and pointed it in our direction. Ah, the senor and the lady would like a picture for to show their friends back in the estate. No, Oh, please, Scotty, we've never had a picture taken together. <laughs> together? With 40,000 people jammed up against us on all sides? Oh, well, instead, maybe you come to my studio. Calle Barrios. Calle Barrios is not far. Nah, nah, go on. Shoot it here. Go ahead. Oh, make pause, please. Uh, mucho love. Si, como no? Eso es. Hold it. No. That is all. I have the picture. Well, he's taking us now, darling. Oh, come on, honey. Everybody's looking at us. Don't rush me, Scotty. Huh? Give me time. What is it? Why are you so limpy? You've got... I know we wouldn't make it. Why do we care? Part of the night's better than none at all. Eve. Just stay with me a minute. Won't take long. Darling, what happened? What happened? Scotty. That was the first picture we ever had taken together. Huh? Let me know how it turns out. Eve. Eve, darling. She's dead. She doesn't move anymore. Somebody do something, will you? She's been knifed right here in my arms. Murder in Sloppy Joe's. Murder that is to start a man twisting and turning down the black path of fear. Brian Donlevy is our star this evening. You have heard him in the prologue to tonight's tale of suspense. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Brian Donlevy, 
who in the person of Bill Scott continues his narrative of The Black Path of Fear. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Havana is a fast town for anything. Love, life, and death, too. A minute ago, I'd been half of a honeymoon couple getting their first picture snapped by a little Cuban photographer in Sloppy Joe's. Now, I was alone with a corpse in an empty saloon. But that didn't go on for long, either. There were cops there in half a minute, and finally a detective. This woman is dead. Yeah, I know. You were the man with her? I was the man with her. Your name? Scott, Bill Scott. Mr. Scott, how long have you been in Havana? Four hours. You quarreled with this girl here in this bar? No, no. You were traveling together? Yes, that's right. The name on her tour's card is Mrs. Edward Espanelli. Yeah. Where is Mr. Espanelli? Not where I'd like him to be, which is roasting. You are not being very cooperative, Mr. Espanelli. Okay, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. She was a singer in a nightclub in Tampa, Florida. Spinelli owned the nightclub. He was a killer. He gave her the choice between getting killed and marrying him. Ah. So she married him. And how did you meet her? I worked for Spinelli, too. I I drove his car. Hmm. You are not a chauffeur by profession, are you, Mr. Scott? No, no. I took the job to get her away from him. Is there anything wrong in that? The murder weapon is nine. What do you know about it? What are you driving at? Is this your knife, Mr. Scott? No, but it's a pretty close match. I bought one just like it this afternoon in a curiosity shop. Wait a minute, I'll show you. I've got it in my pocket right there. Wait a minute. Don't get so excited. All right, it's in that pocket right there. Fish it out yourself if you want to. There is no knife here. But there's got to be. It was a knife with a jade handle. Like this one with a monkey carved on it. But the monkey on the one I bought was holding its hands over its ears. There were three of them in the shop. You know, the type. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I only know that you bought a knife this afternoon. That you no longer have a knife and that the knife has been used to stop this woman. But it's not the same knife, I tell you. I can prove it. Give me a chance to prove it, will you? All right, Mr. Scott. I will give you a chance. So we went back to the shop where I'd bought the knife. Back to Chinatown. Inspector Acosta, that was the Cuban detective's name, questioned the old duck who sold it to me. You remember this man buying something in here this afternoon, Viejo? Uh, yes. Uh, gentlemen, buy knife. Ornamental knife. Uh, knife with jade handle. Describe the jade handle. Oh, uh, jade handle of monkey. We know that. Describe the monkey. Oh, uh, pretty sure of monkey hiding eyes. So, see no evil. You're crazy. What's the matter with you? What are you trying to do to me? I bought the one holding its ears. You know it. Dear Chin. This man's life may depend on what you are saying, but you are absolutely sure. Come by trees. First one is sold to this gentleman, other still gone. Uh, can show you. Can lie in your teeth. Listen, Acosta, so what if he shows you the set with that one missing? He's probably got a hundred sets in the storeroom. Well, only one set important. Uh, can show customs invoices. Uh-huh. How did uh, this man and this woman act when they came into the shop? Oh, uh, lady act scared, very scared. I told you, she was afraid Spinelli was going to have her bumped off. Well, he did it. And this guy has been paid to frame me. Can't you see that? I am sorry, Mr. Scott, but I must place you under arrest for the murder of Mrs. Eve Spinelli. (laughs) 
as we threaded our way back through Chinatown in the police car, I thought the whole thing over. I came to a decision. The car fitted in the narrow lane like a cork in a bottle. If it should come to a halt in front of the door of a building... And finally it did. Just that. I bolted. They came after me fast. The door I ducked into opened into a pitch black hallway. I groped around till I found the flight of stairs and I started climbing. I ducked back in the shadows, turned the knob of the nearest door, tossed my hat over at the foot of the roof ladder to make it look as if I'd lost lost it while climbing. I backed through the door into a room. In the dark room, I stood very still and listened. They were separating to case the roof along the block. I was safe for a few minutes anyway. Try to figure out where I was. Room dark room. I strained my eyes into the blackness. Then, something cold and metallic found the side of my neck. It was the business edge of a knife, blade. A light snapped on. Bueno. I, uh, no hablo espanol. Nothing, huevo. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy, will you? I can't talk your language. Put that knife down, will you? Te quiero estar aquí. Pol- let's say. Testanzi? Understand? Comprende? Look. Out there on the stairs. I don't know how to say it. Polizia. They're after me. Cops. Cops. Why didn't you say so before? I hate cops. Well, you talk English? I ought to have been in enough of your jails to take out naturalization papers. Hey, get over here. I'll do what I can for you. They're coming back. I better get out of here. Don't be a fool. There's plenty of them down in the street now. They sure must want you bad, Chico. They say I killed my girl. They say wrong? They say very wrong. Another man took her away from you? No. I took her away from another man. Ah, then any fool of a policeman knows you did not kill her. You never kill what does not belong to you. Only what does. You tell them that. Oh, here comes Payday. Quickly, get into the cot there. Cover yourself up. What? But... Do what I tell you. Take off that shirt. Don't stop for the buttons. Tear it off. Well... Now then, face the wall. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Keep perfectly still. Don't rub against the cover. Pense, señor. ¿Ha visto usted un hombre alto, macizo, americano? No he visto a nadie. ¿Quién es ese? Mi hombre, mi marido. Llamaslo. Está muy enfermo. Vuela. ¿Vuela? Sí, vuela. Ve a la cuarentena. Es verdad, vuela. Vámonos. Pense, señor. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. What was all that about? Shh. What are, what are all these red spots on me? I put them there with lipstick. I told the cops you were my husband. You have smallpox. <laughs> and they believed it? Why not? I showed them the quarantine sign on the door. Manolito, that was my man. He died of smallpox in this room. Huh? Oh, do not be alarmed. It has been disinfected. Oh. Oh, say. Thanks. But why did you go to bat for me like that anyway? A different reason. Flowers on a grave, I guess. Flower? What do you mean? It's hard to explain. It's my way of doing something for somebody that's not around anymore, I guess. It's the only way I have. I do not know any other way. You see, I know what it is to lose someone you love, too. Just like you. Manolito? He got smallpox in jail. Then he come back here to me to die. Hey, what is your name, Wapo? Bill Scott. It's Scott? 
No, no, no. Scott with an S. It's too hard to say. I call you Guapo. Guapo. That means handsome. Oh. Well, thanks. What will I call you? Around this neighborhood, they call me Medianoche. Media... It means midnight. Hmm. Try it that way. <sighs> okay, midnight. They call me that because now I always hang around late by myself. Since he's gone. Well, midnight, I don't know what to say to you except thanks. There's not a flowers on a grave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'd better get going. What do you want to throw away all my hard work for? Hmm? They spot you at the next corner. Well, I can't hang around here for the rest of the night. What's the matter with it here? Hmm. You know, if I could only get hold of that photographer... Photographer? Yeah, there was a photographer in Sloppy Joe's. He was snapping a picture of us just when it happened. Oh, you think maybe in this picture is the man who killed your sweetheart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, think, Wapo. What do you remember about this photographer? Oh, he was just a typical cheap photographer of tourists. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said something about having a studio somewhere near Sloppy's. A Calle Barrios? That's it, Calle B- Barrios. Look, do you know this guy? Uh, sailors go there with the girls to get their pictures taken. Hmm. His name is Pepe Campos. I've got to get that picture, Midnight. I'll have to risk oh, it. One momentito. I first get you some other clothes. Huh? Here. I think this fits you. What? Where? Manolito was one big sailor. Hmm. And now listen. I tell you what to get from here over to the Calle Barrios so maybe the police don't see you. You go down to the mouth of the alley. You turn to the right. That's this hand here. Just a few steps from there. It was so dark, I I almost had to feel my way along the streets. Suddenly, out of nowhere, came a voice. There were two of them there, keeping the alley covered. I looked back the way I had come. Someone was coming toward me through the blackness. I waited there, paralyzed. Uh, what? Are you lonesome? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you want a drink, sister? Well, look, walk close to me like this. Huh? Now, now, lean up closer. Get your face up under mine, honey. That's it. Give me a little more affection. <laughs> That's the stuff. Now, look. Walk down this way with me. Just past the corner. <laughs> Big boy. Said it. What do you want to drink, honey? You. That's good. Here's the turn. Goodbye, sister. I was afraid of yelling. I'd attract the cops, so I took off down the street and then I ducked into the alley to catch my breath. I looked up. There was a sign on the shop. Campos Retratos y Fotografias. At first, I didn't get it. Then, all of a sudden, I knew. I was there. I opened the door and walked in. Senor? Look, you took a a picture this evening of of me and a lady in Sloppy Joe's. I want that picture. No me recuerdo. I do not recall, senor. Now, look, there was trouble right afterwards. You know, a lot of noise, remember? Oh, si, si. I remember. I am just developing the pictures I have taken today. Come with me. Uh, this is my dark room. The very latest equipment. 
Kodak. Yeah, 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 but where's that picture? Oh, I see you. In the bath. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It's beginning to come through. See, see. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. Oh. Someone leans over the lady's shoulder, no? Yeah. Yeah, let's have some more light on the subject, will you? This is someone you know, senor? Yeah. It's someone I know, all right? His name is... Never mind the name, Scotty. I'll introduce myself. Spinelli. Stand over against the wall, Scotty. You too. Well, I'm glad you found this picture, Scotty. I was kind of nervous about having a thing like this floating around. You can understand my feelings. You surprised me, Spinelli. I didn't think you even had the guts to stab a woman in the back without your gorillas around to protect you. Don't make me angry, Scotty. I'm in a bad mood. I didn't know you were smart like you are either, Spinelli. I, I apologize. You know, <laughs> that was a cute trick, hiring a cab driver to steer us into that shop in Chinatown. But what I still can't figure out is how you switched those knives. I didn't. I still have the knife you bought. I frisk it out of your pocket. Now I'm going to give it back to you. Would you like to see it first? There. It's pretty, ain't it? You've always had an eye for jades. This is definitely the best of the three. It's a pity to spoil such a pretty knife, but the revolver... That makes too much noise. Yeah, I think I'll use the knife on you, too. I like things symmetrical. Like Romeo and Julia, then. What's that? Don't move, Scotty. Wapo. Wapo, are you in here? <laughs> His sweetheart not dead an hour and already he has another. Midnight. Get out of here quick. This man is a killer. Oh, I'm not afraid of you, big boy. Keep away from me and don't try any funny business. Oh, my hombre, he was just like you. He talked very mean. But he don't hurt me. Not one little bit. I don't only talk big, sister. I got a job to do here. I'll talk to you when I shut your boyfriend's trap for good. My boyfriend? Ha, are you kidding? Go ahead, finish him off. He took a powder on me. I come after him only to collect. Oh, undercover? <laughs> oh, Scotty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> undercover? Hey, you are rich, huh? <laughs> you got big diamonds. Say, I like you, mister. Stop mooching around. Midnight, I tell you, this guy's a killer. Watch out. Ah, shut up. Yeah, huh? How about it, big boy? Come on. Stick around, baby. I can use talent like yours. <laughs> Kiss me, big boy. Later, later. Now, for I yell very loud. Hey, Make big trouble. You're pretty hot stuff, ain't you? You don't know the half of it, big boy, huh? Come here. <laughs> now, Bobo! Oh. Oh, you're down! Grab the gun! You dirty little stool pigeon. Shut up, Spinelli. I've got the gun now. <laughs> Scotty, I was only throwing a scare into you. Why, I would have knocked you off right away if that's what I meant to do, wouldn't I? What's it worth to you to stay alive, Spinelli? Scotty, a hundred thousand dollars. In the bank right here in Havana. Just let me go over that table there. Check the bearer, no strings. Spinelli, I want Eve back again. Two hundred thousand. Chicago account thrown in. Two hundred and fifty thousand. That's a quarter of a million, Scotty. I want Eve. You can't bring the dead to life, Scotty. But you can be rich. Kill me and you get nothing but a murder rap. The picture don't show me sticking the knife in her. The knife don't mean anything. Chin and the driver never talk. You're just fixing up a nice murder rap for yourself, Scotty. Shut up. Stand over under the light, Spinelli. Huh? 
I don't want to miss. Scotty. Don't do it, Scotty. Scotty. Scotty! Myself up for the murder of Ed Spinelli. Huh? What are you going to do about it, Inspector? About what? About what? About what I just told you, the murder. I don't speak English so good. I often miss hearing things that are said, especially when they are said too fast. All right, I can say it slower. I just killed a man named Ed Spinelli. My English stinks today. I don't understand. You don't understand. I said... I don't know what you said. If I should get word from the commissioner to hold a man named Scott for murder, that would be different. It would be in my language. Unless that should happen and it hasn't, please, would you mind not coming in here and mumbling in this English of yours that I don't understand? But, uh, huh? Senor Scott, yeah. this girl, this medianoche... M- midnight? Oh, what about her? Do you know where she is? That girl, that woman... She's been raising cane in my jail all night, all day yesterday. Well, what's she charged with? My foolish officers questioned her, and then they didn't know any better that they put down some charge other than the book. Senor Scott, huh? we have been stuck with her ever since. She's, she's like a hurricane. Well, I'll agree with you there. Senor Scott, yeah? if you have not enough to bail her out, I'll pay it out of my own pocket. Anything to get her out. <laughs> of an American in Havana walk always in the direction of the sloppy door. No? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear it already. I, uh, I'd like to ask you in for a drink tonight. No, Wapo. You go in alone. Oh, won't you just have one with me, please? No. Why not? There's someone waiting for you in there. Crazy, Midnight. I don't know anybody in Havana except you. Someone is waiting for you in there, Guapo. How do you say flowers on a grave? No? Flowers on a grave. And Sloppy Joe's? Love makes any place beautiful. Even a Sloppy Joe's. Go on, Guapo. Buy her a drink at the bar and tell her how that picture you took together turned out. You promised you would, remember? How do you tell something to somebody that's dead? In your mind, Guapo. Where she will always be. Oh. I'll try and tell her, Midnight. I'll tell her about about you, too. No. No, she will be jealous. Oh, no, not when I tell her. Oh, you do not know women, Guapo. Well, maybe not. Well, I... Uh... Adios, Waffle. Goodbye. Midnight. 
so closes The Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. This is Brian Dunleavy. Our government has asked us to bring to the attention of women listeners a very important message. In spite of our wonderful victories on all the fighting fronts, we must remember that the war is by no means over or nearly over. Hundreds of thousands of women must get into war work this year. You are desperately needed, both because you are admirably fitted for these jobs and because you represent the only adequate source of labor to replace the men in the armed forces and in the heavy war industries. Go to the United States Employment Service office and ask for information about the kinds of full-time or part-time jobs for which you are best suited. Brian Dunleavy will soon be seen in the starring role of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Technicolor production, An American Romance. Next Thursday, same time, Olivia de Havilland and Reginald Gardner will be your stars of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye. Good health to all from Rexall. From Palm Springs, California, it's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Bill Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Today is the Harris family's last day in Palm Springs. They want to take advantage of it, so Phil has insisted that they get up at 5 a.m. As we look in, they're returning to the hotel after a two-hour horseback ride. Gee, Mommy, we've had a wonderful morning. So far, we've played tennis and gone swimming and bicycle riding. What's the next thing planned for us? Well, I don't know. Let's go back to the room, wake Daddy up, and ask him. Phyllis, why doesn't Daddy ever get up in the morning? Oh, he can't on account of his health. He said he has peculiar pigmentation of the skin and the gamma rays of the morning sun affect his epidermis. <laughs> what does that mean? It's French for beat it, get lost, and let me sleep. <laughs> Mommy, why doesn't Daddy ever get up in the morning? Oh, for a very good reason, children. He says he's like a delicate flower. 
and the morning sun wilts him. Why, I thought the sun was good for flowers. Oh, not your father. He claims he's a jasmine and only blooms at night. <laughs> I wonder if he's awake yet. Isn't that Daddy sitting over there by the pool with Uncle Willie? So it is. Look, girls, you go in and get dressed, and I'll be there in a few minutes. I want to talk to Daddy. Hmm. I wonder what they're watching so intently. Uh-oh. It's that girl on the diving board in the French bathing suit. I'll sneak up behind them and see just how interested they are. Philip, isn't she a honey? Get that red hair, that beautiful face, and that voluptuous figure. <laughs> yes, William. But what about her character? <laughs> Can she carry on an intelligent conversation? Can she cook and sew and keep house? Who cares with a figure like that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we reading each other's lines? <laughs> You're right about that girl, Philip. We men shouldn't be taken in by what appears on the surface. She looks nice from here, but what about her background? Well, wait till she turns around, we'll find out. <laughs> you know, Willie, those two-piece bathing suits are really fascinating. So alluring. Phil! And that's why they disgust me. I'll bet you just can't stand the sight of it. Honey, you're so right. I've been sitting here mortified. How long have you been sitting here? Oh, I've been mortified about three hours. <laughs> I think that girl looks disgraceful posing there with her bare midriff. Every man in the place is looking. Yeah. What a spot for a Burma shave ad. <laughs> well, come on, fellas. Let's go in for breakfast. Oh, by the way, where's Frankie? Yeah, last time I saw him, a man was selling him a uranium mine for $50. <laughs> now, that sounds like something stupid enough for Frankie to fall oh, wait for. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Remley ain't stupid. He's got more sense than to fall for anything. Hiya, Curly. Ah, hiya, Franklin. I'm glad you showed up. I hear you bought a uranium mine for $50. Ah, oh, Curly, you don't think I fell for that, do you? I'm not gullible. I have too much sense. Besides, I was busy doing something much more important. What are you doing? Watching the flying saucers. I told you. <laughs> Lean over here and breathe out, Clyde. <laughs> you were watching what? Flying saucers. Don't tell me you're one of the few remaining people who hasn't seen one. Remley, how many fingers have I got up? Look closely. Now, you were seeing things again. I am not. I can prove it. I saw a whole squadron of them. In fact, I turned to the guy I was spending the afternoon with and said, Did you see what I saw? And what did the bartender reply? <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't with no bartender. Oh, Frankie, a lot of people think they've seen flying saucers, but I don't believe it. I wouldn't believe it either if I hadn't seen those two guys from Mars who were driving it. <laughs> oh, I got to take the strings off his guitar. His music's driving him nuts. <laughs> Remley, let me get this straight. You saw a flying saucer with two men in it, and right away you knew that they were men from Mars. Oh, no, no, not right away. Came out in the course of the conversation. LAUGHTER 
<laughs> you talk to the men from Mars? Well, naturally, I'm no snob. <laughs> I'll talk to anybody who's nice. All right. <laughs> Do you expect anybody to believe that wild story? Newspapers believed it. I called them last night and gave them the whole story. It's in every newspaper throughout the country oh, today. Oh, no, no, Remy. How can you pull a hoax like that? When that article appears with your name in it, you'll be the laughing stock of the nation. Everybody's going to laugh at you. Nobody's going to laugh at me. What makes you so sure? When I called the papers, I gave them your name. <laughs> oh, Frankie, why did you have to give them my name? You can use the publicity. Look at these headlines. Alice Faye's husband sees flying saucers and talks to men from Mars. <laughs> Alice Faye's husband? Yeah, I got you a little publicity, too. <laughs> Oh, you should have seen that sight. I was driving along the desert, and I saw those flying saucers come shooting from out of nowhere. Driven by men from Mars? No. No? That part I made up to make the other parts sound believable. <laughs> no, Curly, this is a sight I'll never forget. Those large cylindrical objects flashing through the sky at a terrific speed, and suddenly one plummeted to Earth and landed in a burst on the desert. The door opened, and those little men started swarming over the... Hold it, Arson! (laughs) You saw this saucer land in the desert. Yeah, and I can prove it. I would have gone out to examine it yesterday, but it was getting dark. I'm going out now. If you'll come with me, I'll show you where it is. I ain't going. You better. I told the newspaper men to be here at 2 o'clock to get all the facts. You should be able to describe your flying saucer. Oh, Remley. The things you get me into, I don't... Oh, all right, I'll go. But you better produce a flying saucer. Yeah, I will. Alice, you want to come with us? No, no. I don't want him to think I'm a kibitzer. Who? The two men from Mars. <laughs> I'll only be in the way when you four start playing canasta. All right. <laughs> Now, don't be facetious, Alice, or I shall not permit you to sing Wilhelmina from that new picture. What new picture? The one you're in, Wabash Avenue. You try to stop her and I'll break your arm. (laughs) Sing, lover. Wilhelmina, she's the cutest little girl in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, she has all the fellas crazy in the noggin, in Copenhagen, and the roses on her cheeks, and the music when she speaks, and how sweet her kisses taste, sugar gainers like her mama's Danish pastry, Wilhelmina, maybe soon she will elope in Copenhagen, in Copenhagen, Wilhelmina, He'll share everything, including his toboggan in Copenhagen. All the other girls, they know. But Wilhelmina, she says, nice. All the boys call Wilhelmina Willie, but he calls Wilhelmina mine. Well, and how sweet her kisses taste. 
like her mama's Danish pastries. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina. Maybe soon she'll elope in Copenhagen. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina. He'll share everything, including his toboggan. In Copenhagen, all the other girls say nine. But Wilhelmina, she says ten. All the boys call Wilhelmina, Willie. But he calls Wilhelmina. Oh, why did I ever let you fellas talk me into looking for a flying saucer? It doesn't exist. We've been tramping over this desert for five hours now, and I'm hot and tired and thirsty. So am I. I give anything for a drink. How about you, Curly? Water. <laughs> Water. This is no time to wash. <laughs> I want water to drink. To drink? You're in worse shape than I am. I'm just thirsty. You're delirious. <laughs> oh, Remley, you and your flying saucers. Getting it in the paper that I saw. If I don't produce one, they're going to laugh me out of time. I tell you, I saw one crash out here in the desert. Around here someplace. Curly, look over there. That pile of twisted metal is my flying saucer. Remley, you're right. You see, Alice... You thought he was having halicinations. <laughs> Come on, Curly. Help me dig this wreck out of the sand. Yeah, I'll help you. Maybe we can find some clue of where it's from, huh? Say, fellas. Fellas, I found a disc here. There's a lot of mud on it, but there, there seems to be something written underneath the mud. Well, scrape it off, honey. Scrape it off. Maybe it'll tell what planet it's from. Well, hurry up, fellas. Is it from Jupiter or Saturn? No. No, it starts with an M. M? It's either Mars or Mercury. Quick, Alice, what does it say? Maxwell! <laughs> an old hubcap. Maxwell. An old hubcap. So this is where Jackson buried his car. Well, the insurance company finds out about this, they ain't gonna like it. Why? Jackson told them Rommel captured it in Africa. <laughs> Frankie, this ain't a flying saucer. It's just an old automobile wreck. Who has to know that? Let's take it into town. They'll never know the difference. After all, it fooled you and me. Yeah. But how many people are you gonna find as stupid as us? <laughs> True. <laughs> But look, Curly, you're in a spot with the newspaper men. You gotta take it back to town and try to palm it off as a flying All saucer. right, all right. We'll try to palm it off. We'll take it back. Oh, Frankie, why do you do these things to me? If you're trying to shorten my life, why do you do it the hard way? <laughs> why don't you just stab me in the back, poison my beer? Tell Patrillo I'm working under scale. <laughs> Fellas get the craziest scene. What goes on in your head? Never mind. We got what it takes up here. Yes. Between the two of you, you have a lovely bunch of coconuts. I ain't gonna sing that song. I ain't either. 
Well, as long as nobody's going to sing it, let's pick up these parts and get back to town. Yeah. Well, we got the pieces all spread out on the ground. This stuff looks like it came from Mars, all right. Yeah. Does that, huh? Yeah. Oh, man, if we can put this one over, we'll be the first ones to produce a flying saucer. Yeah. Providing Alice doesn't give us away. By the way, where is she? Yeah, she said something about going to find the psychiatrist. <laughs> What's wrong with her? <laughs> Well, um, she's been having headaches lately. I noticed she'd been acting kind of strange. Yeah. Well, be that as it may. <laughs> Come on, let's look over this once more before the newspaper men get here. That's not necessary. This is perfect. Now, wait a minute, Rumley. I don't know. This looks too much like an automobile wreck. They're not going to be fooled by this. Yeah, of course, maybe not just by this. But they'll have to believe you when you produce the clincher. What clincher? The man from Mars. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Well, here we go again. <laughs> Look, Frankie, huh? we don't have a man from Mars. Yes, I know that. But all we have to do is find one and leave that to me. Oh, you know a guy, huh? Of course not. I don't know anybody from Mars. How about that girl you were out with last night? <laughs> she ain't from here. <laughs> don't be a wise guy. Now, I can find somebody. All we need is some short, weird-looking character with an oversized head. Hiya, fellas. Here I am. <laughs> Frankie, someday this kid ain't going to come in on cue... And then where will we be? <laughs> he never fails. He likes the part, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's small enough and certainly weird looking enough. <laughs> but um, his head ain't big enough. No, it isn't. Well, I'll take care of that. Hold still, Julius. Open your mouth. Get that bicycle pump out of my kisser! <laughs> well, what are you afraid of, Julius? All we want to do is to pump your head up a little. Any special sign? <laughs> or shall we let it go till it voice? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Remley, hmm? how big do we have to make his head? I think 30 pounds ought to do it. <laughs> Oh, we better make it 24. He's got a low-pressure skull. Why don't you make it 40 pounds? I think I got a slow leak in my head. <laughs> what makes you think so? I gotta have to keep coming around here all the time. Fellas, I don't want you to think I'm a point killer, but I ain't gonna let nobody blow Julius, now look, I know it may sound ridiculous, but we have a perfectly logical reason for wanting to do it. What's your reason? We need a man from Mars. Uh. 
what's the matter? I almost choked on that one. <laughs> How fatty can two grown men get? Julius, this may appear a little far-fetched, but Mr. Harris is in a spot, and we've got to help him. There was an article in this morning's paper saying that he saw a flying saucer and a man from Mars. That's right. Now, do you see why I need your help? Yeah. You tied one on and you want me to loosen the nut. <laughs> Look, kid, if you'll do this thing for us, we'll give you 20 bucks. Oh, it's a deal. Hey, now, Remley, you better wait a minute because we ain't never going to get away with this. Nobody's going to believe that he's from another world. They might when I get finished with him. <laughs> I'll take him up to the room, put some weird clothes on him, a lot of grotesque makeup. I'll make him look like a lovely bunch of coconuts. I still ain't gonna sing that song. (laughs) You want another lead-in? No, thanks. I'll creep into this one myself. Bill Jackson was a poor old duck who joined the Dark Town Poker Club and cursed the day he told him he was John. That money used to go like it had wings. If he owed queen someone at King's each night, he would contribute all that coin. He said, I'm going to play him tight tonight. to be no bobtail flush and make me bite. He said, when I get the nest of my hands, I'll be a feed. Played him tight and lost his pile, and Bill got TV shot in a while, so he rose, looked all around, and made this speech. Did you all see this brand new razor? I had it sharpened just today. Now, I'm coming in with my rules that I want you to follow when you play, boy. Keep your hands up on the table while you're dealing, please. Don't be slipping the maces down there in between your knees. Don't be making them funny signs like you're trying to tip off your hand just talking American, boy, so uh, I can understand. And don't be getting them off the bottom because, ooh, that's rough. Take five, five, then stop. That's enough. Now, when you bet put up the chips, I don't like it when you shy. Then when you get busted, go get some. I'm going to be here by and by. Pass them cards, let me shuffle every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I want to see. I mean, you ain't going to play this game now, uh, according to that Mr. Hoyley. You're going to play this game according to me. Sitting right there in that there clan, they chanced to be a one-eyed man. And Bill kept on watching him out of the corner of his eye. The whole one eye would deal and then would cost that Bill another five or ten. Bill got up again and looked all around him with a sigh. Said, Lord, it's an awful shame. Said, someone's cheating this year. Game said, Coach, uh, it ain't no dupe me to name the guy. So I refrain from mentioning the party's name. If I catch him cheating just once again, I'm going to take this fist and close that other eye. Now, do you see this brand new razor? I had it sharp just today. I'm walking in with my rules that you must follow when you play egghead. Keep your bony hands up there while you give them out, please. Don't be slipping them wildies down in there between your knees. And don't be making them funny signs. You're still trying to tip off your hand. You better talk an American boy, big A-A-A, so's I can understand. And stop getting them off the bottom. I keep trying to tell you it's rough. This is the Army game. Five, five, halt. That's enough. Now, when you bet, put up the reds and blues. I don't like it when you're shy. Then if you run out of gas, go get pumped up. I'll be here by and by. Pass them pasteboards. Let me ripple every time before you deal. Let me irrigate around with them. I want to see. But you ain't going to play the game now, according to that Mr. Harley. You're going to play this game according to me. Now, Henry, if you'll break the seal on that new deck of bicycles, we'll go on from there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, Curly, 
I got Julius all dressed and made up. Here he is. Oh, no. How do I look? Like a street in Tijuana after a heavy rain. <laughs> Remley, what's that horrible-looking outfit he's wearing? Even a man from Mars wouldn't wear or couldn't wear a messy thing like that. Where'd you get that? One of your sport jackets cut down. <laughs> now, look, Julius, remember you're from Mars, so you can't talk a word of English. When the newspaper men get here, just talk gibberish. Do you want the southern or the provincial gibberish? <laughs> look, Frankie, we better give it up. This kid ain't gonna fool anybody, and besides... Oh, there I... you are, Mr. Harris. Uh-oh, that's one of the newspaper men. Now, I'll have to go through with this. Don't forget, kid, gibberish. Well, Mr. Harris, you made the headlines all over the country with your story about the flying saucer and the man from Mars. Yes, I know. Now, I... personally, I don't believe it. We all know there's no such thing as... Well, I'll be done. You have a man from Mars. He's the most frightening-looking creature I've ever seen. That's in... Frankie Ramley. <laughs> the man from Mars is the short, frightening creature over there. Thank Lord. <laughs> so this is what they look like. I see it, but I don't believe it. Do you mind if I interview him? Uh, well, Mr. Um, um, uh, well, you see, uh... He, uh, he doesn't talk English, uh, but I've been with him constantly since I found him, and I picked up a little of his native tongue, and I'll gladly interview him for you. Uh, what do you want to know? Uh, ask him where he's from. Okay. <clears throat> Mudwomp. Hoogle-moggle, <laughs> igle-hooger. <laughs> Willy-waddle with a woody-wally. <laughs> We don't always understand each other. <laughs> Mugwump, the man wants to know where your home is. Holler Maga Ula Lama, where's the place to use a Frama? <laughs> What did he say? Oh, uh, you see, I taught him a few simple words in English, and uh, he's trying to be funny. There's one thing I can't stand. It's a wise guy from Mars. All right. <laughs> now, mister, is there uh, anything else you'd like me to ask him? I have just one more question. How did he get here from Mars? What route did he take? Oh, the route. That's a good point. I'll ask him. <laughs> Mugwump. Sigamaga Alahuda Fluzi. Routine. Aha! Hamadula Mars.
He made a lot of stops. You see, he was on a goodwill tour. <laughs> Mugwump Chamber of Commerce. All right, fellas, you can break it up now. Wait till I expose this whole thing as a hoax. The townspeople aren't going to like it. The whole thing ain't a hoax. I did see a lot of flying saucers yesterday. Two miles due north of town. Two miles due north. Yeah. I got news for you, blowtop. <laughs> they have a skeet shoot out there. Those were clay discs you saw. Clay discs? Curly, how could you make such a stupid mistake? Tell him the new message you saw flying. Remley, so. I'll swear I'll kill you. <laughs> million times I'll kill you. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.